0: Solitude, I am by far the worst. I was telling Brent earlier, I I said, hey, there's a funny story because last night the World Series was on. Any baseball viewers? Okay, I slept through it, but the World Series was on. And um, so I had the World Series on my iPad. I was playing a video game. You can judge me. Playing a video game on my TV and have my fantasy football pulled up on my phone. And I'm sitting there (laughs) thinking about tonight and I'm like, whew, I am not the right person for this. I have four screens going um, speaking about solitude in a day. But anyways, good to be here. Um, my goal tonight, um, you hear language from me a lot, where I'll say, hey, we want to hit pause and quiet our souls a little bit and see what God, for, God would have for us. Not pause and then forget what we talk about and then go back to life, but pause so we can engage with who the Father is. And he can transform our lives so that we can go back to whatever life has for us. So that's my goal tonight. Brent said it well. Um, my name is Tim Heist. I work with our middle school, high school, Pat, um, middle school, high school students um, and directors over there, which is a blast. I so have small groups on Wednesday nights. I am married, been married for seven years. My wife's name is Melissa. We have a dog. And my sister-in-law is living with us. So um, the house is – I don't have young children, so I can't say it's noisy. Um, But it's rare that it's quiet this morning. I woke up early. I try to I try to beat um, The two ladies of the house up because otherwise it takes forever to get out Uh, Is this filmed? Um, it takes a little while, you know, so I try to be and then just be still um, And just quiet myself a little bit. That's a little bit about me Um, Tonight people of practice. We're going to look at a little bit. What does it mean time? What does it mean to spend time with Jesus? Um, What does it mean to spend time in solitude? Um, in middle school, we train students this idea of three by five, three by five. So we say, hey, three different things, five minutes each. So spend five minutes in prayer. If you don't know what to pray, communicate with God. You spend five minutes in scripture. If you don't know what to read, start in the book of John. And if you spend five minutes writing something down, if you don't know what to write down, write what makes you happy and what makes you mad and what God says about those things. So that's how we train our middle schoolers. Hey, take if you took 15 minutes, even once this week, and just to hit pause and quiet your soul and engage with him, I wonder what God would do in high school. We call it a quiet time, right? So we say, hey, the first thing you get up, the last thing you do before you go to bed, put your phone on airplane, put your iPad on airplane, put your TV on airplane, turn off your Xbox. This is speaking to me and quiet your soul a little bit and see what God would have. And a lot of times with our high school students, we'll go through a study or we'll do something like that. But this idea of solitude and silence, solitude, complete aloneness, complete aloneness For spiritual purposes. Silence, complete quiet for spiritual purposes. Connected for sure, but very, very different. Alone and quiet. I think about personalities, right? My wife is pretty introverted, so she spends her whole day with people, comes home, and is like, whew, needs some space, needs some time. Whereas I'm pretty, I'm like, I can go back and forth, um, but I'll get home and like, oh, people, right? So for some of us, it's really easy to disconnect. And to be still and quiet before God. For others, it's like you're quiet for 30 seconds and you're like, I don't know what to do with myself right now. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. And I get a little stir crazy. Um, I get really stir crazy. So a lot of times I'll run when I pray or I'll do something like a hamster when I pray to keep my mind um, engaged. I grew up with a little movie, 1998. Um, I'm young, but I grew up. There was a movie called Rocket Man. Anybody seen Rocket Man? Yeah, it's super, super cheesy. Super cheesy. So I apologize, but we have a little clip. He's getting ready to go in this isolation chamber. This is how I feel often when I say I'm going to sit quiet before God. <laughs> where I start start connected really well right here. You know what they shout. Um, so I'm a, I'm a student pastor, you guys. I don't know. Um, but that's that we get really restless. So a couple challenges. A couple challenges for our, our connection with God. Obviously, we want a vertical connection with our Father, a horizontal connection with others. If we have too much of a vertical connection with God and we don't apply that with other people, we're missing out on what God's called us to do, right? And if we have too much of that horizontal people connection and not the God connection, then we're very, very social but missing out on who God is. So we need both of those. And there's a challenge to that. Maybe a challenge for you, your family, um, is just that schedule. Man, you're the first one up. You're the last one to go to sleep. There's kids all over the house. It's noisy. It's, there's just no time. There's no time. It's a challenge. Um, another challenge could be, hey, when I quiet myself before God, it requires a sense of vulnerability. right? We're going we're gonna to look at that a little bit tonight, but it's really hard to go to God and then lie. It, just, it doesn't work. So often we keep ourselves busy so that if we don't go to God with it, then I don't have to work through that stuff in my life. We'll break that down in a couple minutes. Another challenge is this. Those close moments with God seem really fleeting to me. This past summer, we got to go on a summer camp, and we had um, one, of the, one of those moments in my life where I was like, man, God's presence is close. God's presence is close. And then you turn around three minutes later, and you're like, did anything happen this weekend? Right? It comes and goes really quick. We took two fall retreats this year. We had nearly 40 students come to faith, which is unbelievable. And then we're sitting in staff meeting today like, what are we doing? <laughs> right? Why? Because those moments are fleeting. We constantly have to remind ourselves. So the challenge, those close moments, they go away quickly. And more often than not, I'm just kind of tired of faith. Brent, I might get fired for saying that. But i just kind of tired, right? So if someone, you share a challenge with somebody, and you're, they're like, hey, pray about it. And you're like, I've been praying about it. Or you're like, hey, well, let's go to church this weekend. And you're like, oh, gosh, I've been to church every weekend for my entire life. Like, I just need a break. I'm exhausted from faith. I'm exhausted from rhythms. I just need a break. That's a challenge, but a very, very real one. Um, I get to lead a lot of leaders, and most of them are young adults. And our young adults face a pretty, pretty big challenge where they feel an obligation to do these things, right? So they have an obligation to spend time in prayer or to read scripture or to journal or fast or whatever it looks like. And then when they don't do those things, they feel, what, embarrassed and shamed. And, well, I can't, now I can't go do that because if I go to God, all that I feel bad is that I didn't do that last week. So what happens? There becomes a wedge between closeness to God because it was an obligation that they didn't meet. For some of us, maybe you feel that way. There's an obligation like, oh, gosh, I should read my Bible. I didn't read my Bible. I'm not going to read my Bible because if I did, then I'm going to remember that I didn't, and I'm just letting God down. And we're stuck in this poor rhythm of trying to appease a God, and it's just not what we're called to do. So some challenges. Um, I think of that verse, John 10:10, 10, 10, right? Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest. But if you're anything like me, there's some days where you're like, man, if this is the full life, I am in trouble. If this is the life that God has for me, right, because we get exhausted. And you're like, man, if this is abundant life, I'm missing it. Okay, I think a lot of those things happen because we begin to rely on ourselves. We begin to rely on what we do, right, prayer, scripture, Bible, church, friends, whatever it is, versus who we are and who God's called us to be. And when we spend time with him in solitude, aloneness, we begin to see who he's called us to be, not what he's telling us to do. Those two things are very, very different. Um, so the first point, a couple points tonight. Um, in your bulletin, if you have one, you could fill in the blanks or draw pictures, whatever you prefer, um, or emojis. You could put emojis in there. Um, so point one, solitude is our foundation for engagement with Jesus. If you use emojis, I'd love to know what you use because those are tough words. Solitude is our foundation for engagement with Jesus. There's a hypno fad going on, right? And it's this like look deeper into yourself, very dangerous, don't want to go there. But um, we have two pictures tonight. One, there's this thing in Seattle. Anybody like recently been in Seattle? I have never been there. I'd like to go there. Um, It's called Floating. John, do we got these pictures? Uh, It's called Floating Seattle. There you go. And the whole point is to cut you off from external stimuli. And what that is is it's like a really, really dense salt water, right? So you climb in this box, which as a youth pastor I will not do because there's students everywhere. Um, But you climb in this box, and you literally just float, and the water plugs your ears, and it blocks out all vibrations. So you're just like in this like astronaut gel stuff. Um, but it's starting to be really hip and really new. And they're like, hey, you should do this because it helps purge all the media you put in your life. And your eyes are tired and all that stuff. Um, so there you go. Um, the second one, um, and maybe you've heard of this. There's this room, it's called the silent room. It's in Kentucky. And what it, that's three feet of foam the whole way around you. And you're standing on a trampoline that doesn't hold sound. So the longest person to ever stay in there, 45 minutes. Because your ears, like, have to hear something. So what happens is your body generates all this weird stuff, and your ears begin hearing stuff, and it drives people, like, like crazy, and they have to get out of there. So the average person is, like, 15 minutes. Um, at 15 minutes, you can actually feel your heart beating, because there's no other thing to sense for your body. So there you go. Aloneness. Um, biblically, I want to think about it tonight. Um, it's easy to look at very new agey. It's very easy for us to look at what's hip in our culture and say, okay, we should do these things because our culture does these things. It's another thing to say, hey, biblically, what should we do? Biblically, what should we do? And there's a couple examples Jesus had for us, right? So John 135, early in the morning, Jesus got up and prayed. Very simple. He got up. He found space alone. He spent time with his father. Mark 6, we see a picture. Right before the feeding of the 5,000, that Jesus took the disciples away and said, be alone. They did ministry. They served people. And then before, I just realized this the other day, before the people, the crowd left that was fed, Jesus actually dismissed his disciples to go be alone. And there's something to that. It's something to that to remind them of, hey, it's not you that did this. It's God that did this. Let's be reminded of that. Um, Luke 6, before Jesus picked the disciples, spent time alone with his father. Important decision there. So when we take time to be alone, we're good. When we take time to be alone, we begin this new engagement with who Jesus is. We begin to see who he is. We begin to see who he's called us to. All right, number two, point two. Solitude forces us to embrace our humanity. Forces us to embrace our humanity. Busyness is our way to hide. We stay busy so we don't have to understand what's going on. Um, I, I Googled some teen hours, teen screen use, adolescent screen use, 9 to 10 hours a day on a screen. Okay. Kids, people with kids, yes, no, if they could. Okay. Um, teens sleep on average 7 hours a night, so you're at 17 hours. And then there's this thing called school. So there's your 24. Um, so yeah, busyness. We see it in our kids, we see it with us. We keep ourselves busy. Often, so we don't have to deal with the reality of what's going on in our lives. Um, I want us to look at a passage in Exodus two, um, right? So this is the birth of Moses. We know what was going on. The Egyptians are enslaved by Pharaoh. They're stuck there. Um, Pharaoh says, hey, all the males that are born take their lives. Do not allow them to live because they were worried the Israelites would have a mutiny and overthrow the Pharaoh. So what happens? The midwives say, hey, I don't know if we can do that. The Israelite women birth their kids really quick, so sorry. And what happens? Moses is born, right? So we pick that up. Um, here you go. In verse, Exodus 2, verse 11, one day after, after Moses had grown up, Picture him in his teens. He went out to where his own people were and watched them at hard at labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out, saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked one in the wrong, "Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew?" The man said, "Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me like you did the Egyptian?" Then Moses was afraid and thought, "What I had done must have become known." When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Okay, I'm going to pause there. We see Moses, right, his identity. He doesn't know, am I an Israelite? Am I Egyptian? He has connections to both. He's working those out. He clearly has some anger stuff going on. Maybe justified, maybe not. He ends up killing a guy, right, buries him in the sand and runs for his life. We see him where he ends up in this sense of solitude. He sits down. He's exhausted, he's desperate, he's running for his life, but he sits down by a well. For a lot of us, we keep busy to cover things up. Okay, I'm going to get really real for a second. If we think about the things that we don't want to take to God, we think about our humanity, it's pretty scary. When I think about where I would be, the decisions I would make, the decisions I have made, it's pretty scary. It's hopeless. But when we go to God, things change. We see Moses, he begins to go through this thing, right? So he has a separation, a sin, and he hides it. Go back to the garden, right? Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, what happens? God, the presence of the day, comes down, moves amongst the garden, right? After they had sinned, what do they do? They cover themselves up, cover it up in the sand, cover their bodies up. And they hid from God. So I think the the real challenge, the real fear for us is this. When there's something in our lives not quite right, when sin nature gets to us and sneaks in, when we're not relationally connected well and we make poor decisions that come between us and God, we naturally as humanity, what? Cover and hide. Don't deal with it. And try to go to God in a different way, right? So I cover and hide. I go to church on Sunday. I feel good about myself, but I never really allowed God to take care of what was going on in my life. Solitude demands vulnerability, right? The challenge is we don't allow us to get there. The good news is when we go to God, when we are vulnerable, he's trustworthy and faithful and brings us healing in our lives. We go on. Exodus, I'm going to continue, I'm sorry. Exodus 14, we pick up the story with Moses again, right? So by this point, he has become the leader of the Israelites that we've gone through the plagues. They've gotten out of Egypt, right? They're about to cross the Red Sea. Exodus 14, 13 through 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. We will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. This is the the real verse right here. The Lord will fight with you. You only need to be still. The Lord will fight with you. You only need to be still. When we take time to be still, we take time to rest before God. He takes care of that stuff. Instead of us running and hiding and recovering and rationalizing and normalizing it and not dealing with it, we begin to say, hey, we can be still and allow God to control those things. Point three solitude <clears throat> excuse me solitude reminds us who is in control solitude reminds us who is in control you only need to be still i've been really on this kick recently this performance do versus b Um, With our leader teams, we do a weekly team meeting, and in those team meetings, it's really, really important to us that our leaders grow in Christ, right? So we have this picture – I'm going to fly. Get ready. We have this picture of a tree, and the roots are our connection to Jesus. The trunk is us doing ministry with others, and the leaves are ministry and the the, the activities and things we do. Um, and our goal is that our leaders are all growing in their roots, right? They're, they're deep. They're connected to Jesus. So we came up with this thing, this habit that we would do where we would go around in a circle and we'd say, hey, red, yellow, green. Maybe think through this for yourself. Red, yellow, green. How is your connection to God? Right? So red, green would be like, oh, yeah, I'm great. Yellow is like, oh, I didn't really, you know, whatever. And red's like stalled out. And what would happen over time is we began to see, hey, most of the leaders would share, well, I prayed, I spent time in prayer yesterday, so I'm like a yellow. Or, yeah, I prayed every day this week, I'm a green. I spent time, quiet time, I'm a green. Or we'd see like, oh man, I was just a busy week, I'm really stressed out, I haven't gone to God with anything. They'd be like, I'm a red. As we began to think through this, we saw this thing over and over and over again that, hold on a sec. Our connection to God can't be just about what we do. It can't be. If it's faith and faith alone, then it can't be about what we do. It has to be about who we are. So I began to flip it over, and it becomes really challenging. But we began to flip it over, and we say, okay, wait. Instead of what did you do for God this week, church, prayer, scripture, all the things we're saying we should do, use relational words. Okay? Answer the question, how are you and God? Right? So if you said, hey, Tim, how are you and your wife? I wouldn't say, oh, we had dinner last night. You'd be like, oh, good. Right? You'd say, no, our, our marriage is strong right now, or we're struggling with communication right now, or whatever it is, right? Relational words. So what I would do is this. I'm going to wrap up. Um, we have one more point, but I want to wrap up and just think this. Um, for yourself, red, yellow, green, would you naturally sh- answer that, things I do, or would you naturally answer that, things how God sees you? Do, verse B. Just think about that real quick, and then I'm going to wrap up. The real important piece of that is if it's all up to me, I have to be in control, and there's, that's going to fall apart. I'm not going to continue to be successful in that. right? But when we're quiet, when we're still, when I can't use words to manipulate how I want God to treat me, then I have to go before God and allow him to be in control. right? I, I picture Moses there. If I was at the Red Sea… Um, I would have taken things into my own hands and tried to fix it. I don't know if I'd been like, oh, Red Sea, be still. let's be still and see if God does something right now. Right? I would do something. I'm a doer. I'd do something. But so often God is calling us just to be with him and see how he sees us. Okay, last point. Point four. Solitude gives us identity and purpose. Solitude gives us identity and purpose. When we spend time with him, we begin to see who we are. He transforms us. He changes us. And he calls us to a mission. Right? He calls us to a mission. Um, I'm going to read Mark 3 for us very quickly here. Um, This is Jesus appointing the 12 apostles. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. They came to him. He called them. They came. He appointed them, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that they might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, who he gave the name Peter, and on and on and on. Four points here real quick. There's a call to go to Jesus. There's a call to be with him. And there's a call to serve. I think for our lives, these are very, very similar. right? Jesus is saying, hey, I accept. I've created you. I know you. I want you to know me. Come be with me. Don't come do stuff. Don't go to church and miss out on who the Father is. Come be with me. Relationally. How are you connected? The second thing says, what? Go to him. Be with him. Abide. Stay. Dwell. And then that last thing is this. He gives us a purpose and identity, right? I think Jeff Lucas said it so well a couple weeks ago that no matter what we do, work, profession, family, right, it's what God's, in a way, what God's calling us to do and to serve. We have opportunity all over the city as people of Timberline to do God's work, to do kingdom building because what? Spend time with him, abide in him, share that with others, the vertical and the horizontal. All right, as we close, what does this look like, right? I'm going to wrap us up in two minutes. What does this look like? For me, I love to get up early in the morning to quiet myself. Sometimes I listen to music. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I write things down. Sometimes I don't. I think it's really important that we think about, okay, who are you, and how do you learn? How do you engage with people? And the way you engage with people is probably how you're going to be able to engage with God, right? So for me, I love – I go through phases, but I love trail running and I'll go on these trail runs and the whole time it's just like, just a prayer. And I'm, read, I'm reading, listening to scripture. Don't read and run. It's dangerous, right? People do it though, right? I'm listening to scripture and just having that solitude, that aloneness, that engagement, right? And for some of us, you're like, dude, if I listen to music, there's no way I can engage. That's fine. Know where you're at. Sometimes I write things down. Sometimes I read scripture and write things down. Sometimes I draw pictures. I'm a terrible artist. Uh, it just depends. But think about for you, what would it look like this week? Don't start with every single day, but what would it look like one day this week to carve out 20 minutes? Maybe you need to think about when and where. With our high school students, we say that. We say, hey, tell somebody when and where you're going to be doing this. Right. So for me, it's upstairs in our extra bedroom in a chair, and it's whatever day I decide or however, whatever. Right? But when I have a, a place and a time, and I can just go and rest and be with the Father, I begin to see so much what he has for us. I begin to to be vulnerable. I begin to see how he's healing areas of my life. I begin to see what he's calling me to do, how he's calling me to interact and calling me to love others. So tonight we wanted to close um, by allowing us space to do this. Um, It'd be easy for us to be like, okay, see ya. And we all go home and check the Cubs game. I don't, well, check the Cubs game, right, and fall asleep to the Cubs game. Um, And we're distracted and it's gone. So we said, hey, let's shelter six, seven minutes here now to just be still before God. Okay, so there's three things in your bulletin you'll see um, right at the bottom there, time of solitude. So here's what I would do. Take the first two or three minutes, to be still, and invite God into areas of your life that you tightly control. Right? I hang on to this. I fix this. I do this. Versus how could God use that if my palm was open? The next one, embrace your humanity dangerous, not easy to do. What has caused you to hide from God? Maybe it's busyness that you stay busy and don't allow those things to work, God work in them. Maybe it's distractions. Maybe it's an ongoing sin or something that's separating you from God or, or something that's perpetual. It could be a hurt, a habit, a hang up. It could be any of these things. And then the last two or three minutes, um, engage with God through practice. It could be confession, could be prayer. Maybe you need to write something down. Maybe you need to reread a scripture. I was going to encourage you to read Psalm 1, Psalm 51, Psalm 139, um, and just be still before God. If we're still, if we're silent, we may begin to hear and sense what he has for us. So we're going to put two songs on, um, and I will come up and close down after that. Thank you. Thank you. Father, as we calm our souls before you. We give up our ability to control. We realize our humanity and our desperate need for you. Or we confess that we often keep ourselves busy as to limit our interaction with you so we don't have to face where we actually are. But God, I'm thankful that you are faithful. I'm thankful that it's not dependent upon us, but that you pursue us, and you love us, and you care for us. You look past the things that we've done wrong, and see us for who you are creating us to be. Jesus, tonight, we ask that you would um, draw us close to your heart. That in times of quiet, we would desire to be with you. In times of stress and overwhelming, things going on, we would desire to be with you. When we have decisions to be made, we ask that you would draw us to be with you. In your name.